What's up, everybody? It is Casey with Two Worlds Podcast, and with me, as always, is the milk to my cookies. It's Jake. How you doing, buddy? I'm great, man. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad. My knee hurts a lot, and I don't know why. I think I'm just old. Well, we are getting up there, buddy. Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if I'm not mistaken, we have a bunch of good news to cover this week, huh? I mean, it's news. <laughs> well, let's jump right in. All right. I'll let you start. So uh, this was, it first started off with Alfred Molina getting casted, and then like shortly after, they announced Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, Andrew Garfield, and Emma Stone are all set to appear in the new Spider-Man movie, which just has me begging, when are we going to get all three of the Aunt Mays together on screen? Because that's the <laughs> movie we want. But... Yeah, and just so you know, Alfred Molina, he played Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2. Do you have any opinions on this? Like, I'm just kind of so-so on it. Uh, I don't think it'll be anything major. Like, we'll probably see them. Maybe maybe they'll have, like, a line or two, but I don't think it's going to be anything major. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I mean, you know I like Spider-Man 2 quite a bit, So I and I think he was a great Doc Ock. I think he's really old now. <laughs> yeah. But uh but it'll still be, like it's gonna be fun to say, hey, they're all together. Yeah. Which is basically all that Disney likes to do in these movies is say, Hey, isn't this movie great? Because all of them are together. Yeah, and and also to add to that, like at least with the the Twitter group of people, for some reason they have decided that the first three Spider movies, all three of them, are masterpieces and also Amazing Spider Man. Those movies are masterpieces too. So getting these other guys in there is gonna make this new one the best one yet. Which So have they seen <coughs> Spider Man three like recently? I don't know, man. Maybe we need to just go back and rewatch it, but I mean like I the, mean I'd I'd be all about that because <laughs> <laughs> like the first toby one we've talked about this i liked it like i loved it for the longest time that i rewatched it and it just didn't age well and like since Spider-Man 2 came out i was like this is you're you're putting a lot on toby mcguire's acting and he's not that good of an actor and then the third one was just terrible <laughs> so yeah i don't get it but this could be cool i'm I'm excited to see Kirsten Dunst in something because, like, the last thing I've seen her in was the Hank the Cow Dog podcast that I listened to. And I was like, holy crap, that's Kirsten Dunst. So, like, seeing her in this, and, you know, it's, it's going to be nice. Yeah. And I didn't really understand, or not understand, I didn't realize until somewhat recently how much people hated her as Mary Jane. Yeah. I mean, I remember hearing that, too, and I kind of agree with it. It's like, I think she's very pretty, but she is not a model. Like, that's why they made her a, uh, you know, actress instead, because it's like she just didn't have that model look, you know? Right. And then also I heard rumors, and this is these are just rumors, that Emma Stone may end up, they're, they're, they're wanting her to be Spider-Gwen, which could be cool. Oh. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Only downside is she is too. She's a bit old now to be Spider Gwen. Right, that's true. And I I saw a little bit after you made that note that potentially Charlie Cox is supposed to be in Spider Man Three. I as really, well. I've I've 
heard that off and on, like rumor wise. I didn't hear an official thing yet, but I hope so. And I hope if he's in it, we get Ben Affleck back as Daredevil too. So we get both Daredevils in this also. You know, might as well get everybody in it. Well, that's true. And now, granted, it's probably been 15 years since I've seen the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, but that was one that I always loved as a kid. Like, I rewatched the heck out of that VHS tape. Yeah, I had it on DVD, and I watched a bunch, too. But, like, looking back, Colin Farrell's Bullseye is terrible, and some of the other stuff in it, just in general, is really bad. But Ben Affleck did a fine job. Yeah, and I think uh, Michael Clark Duncan did as Kingpin. Oh, I mean, he killed it, like 100%. He was about as perfect casting as they could have got. Yeah. But we'll see. That movie is either going to be, like, the best Marvel movie we've seen yet or just an absolute train wreck. I'm kind of thinking it's going to be a train wreck. It's just kind of like like how Spider-Man 3s all have to be. Like, the third Spider-Man, the Rami trilogy, not good. Amazing Spider-Man third one was so bad they didn't make it. So this one's just got to be bad too, you know? Yeah, I I definitely get that. That like, I don't know. It just seems like once they get to third movies, they're like, we just have to throw everything yeah. into this, you know? And I I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean you have to one up the last one basically. Well, then just read comic books. <laughs> they, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. They they do it fine. The next arc doesn't have 40 people in it just to make it better than the last one. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so yeah, keeping along with Marvel news, we're getting a new Fantastic Four movie directed by John Watts. I think like the whole fandom let out a little cheer for joy. Like I could hear it from my apartment, right? Whenever that was announced. <laughs> Um, and I still, to this day, have not seen the last one that came out and I, I doubt I ever will unless I just get that bored, but hopefully the casting and just everything is better than what I heard the last one was. Yeah. That, that, that's, it's kind of funny. That's another one of those movies where I saw on Twitter where people were defending it and how great it was, the uh, you know, fantastic forward. It's got the weird lettering, but I was a little disappointed with who they chose to be the director. I haven't, like, I didn't watch, like I said, I've not watched the second Spider-Man movie, but that first one had me just bored out of my mind. So I'm... Oh, um, he did that one? Yeah, he just, he did the Spider-Man trilogy, John Watts or whatever. Because I had, I Googled him after, after you wrote that down. I was like, wonder who this guy is. I'm like, oh, that's less good. Oh, like the the current Spider-Man yeah. movies. Yeah, that's what I meant. I see. Okay. I yeah, I haven't seen the second one yet. I like the first one like fine. I was I just know, bored out like, of my there mind. There was things I didn't like, that's for sure, but um I think I think my favorite part of that first one though was Michael Keaton, and yeah. I don't think that that was supposed to be everyone's favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so on to some comic book news. Um, they kind of announced who, like, they had, a, like, a teaser for the bat, new Batman comics. Like they showed a cover, and the new Batman is not going to be Luke, like everyone assumed. It's going to be Tim Fox, and that's, like, the the more troubled son of Lucius Fox, which I don't like that. I mean, we don't, 
like with Luke, with it being Luke, that's interesting. That's a new kind of story with a character like Tim. It's like, oh, we're gonna get Jason again. Okay. Like I, I don't know. I'm, I've lost. I lost a lot of interest in that series as soon as I found out it was gonna be Tim Fox instead of Luke. Yeah. Yeah, that is a bit disappointing. Like, how? I don't know. I think we're going to get way too much of him being a troublemaker than, mm-hmm. than I want to read. <laughs> the, only, the only thing that I will say, that like, this is, because I saw this pretty early on in the week, so, like, I've had more time. I've had, a, I've had a lot of time to think about it. And it's, like, the one thing is, like, when Starman started up, the heroic son was Starman. You know, he was awesome. First issue, spoiler alert, gets shot. And then, like, the the disappointment son, Jack, had to take over as Starman. And then he, you know, and that series became one of my favorites. So it's like, there's a chance this could actually work out. But it's kind of set my bar pretty low right now for it. Because I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like uh, a Hollywood movie writer was like, mm, I want to use this guy instead. Because I think he's cooler. Right. I don't know. I'm still gonna check it out, but yeah, same that here. might be one where I I drop it pretty quick if it doesn't doesn't hold interest. <laughs> All right. Well, the biggest news of the week for sure was all of these new Disney Plus announcements, and I'm sure that you've heard of all of them at this point. I think, but it would be a disservice to this podcast if we didn't talk about them. So. I'll start with the the Marvel-related ones, and then we'll do the Star Wars ones in a bit. So, some of these we'd, we'd heard about, you know, before, but they released trailers and stuff like that. So, I'll just give the show, and then you can tell me whether or not you saw the trailer and whether or not you're excited for it. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. WandaVision. I wa- I've seen all the trailers for it so far. I'm This is the one I'm most pumped about. Like, it looks really just out there and weird and they're both those people are very likable yeah agreed um falcon and winter soldier this was the one i was probably the least excited about uh it looked kind of neat but like anthony mackie and um winter soldier i can't think of his oh sebastian stan their whole bickering like kind of little antics like it was getting old in the movies and then like having a whole show of that, it's going to get old really quick. I think. Yeah. I thought the trailer was boring. Yeah. Like really boring. Uh, of course I'm going to watch it cause I like those characters, but I mean, if it's more than like an episode of their whole bickering thing, I'm going to get super bored of it. Cause I, you'd think after everything they went through, Mm-hmm. and what happened to Cap that they've moved past that, right? Like, that's the whole point of them teaming up to, like, keep Cap's legacy going. So just stop the bickering. I think I think at this point it's kind of like a, like a brother thing, but I really do hope at least once Winter Soldier looks at him, he goes, Cap loved me more. And then Falcon goes, well, he gave me the shield. Like, they just get, like, really, like, really stupid, really like uh, that, that issue of Batman when tim was like being called an orf you know drake and he was like it's wayne and he runs off crying <laughs> hope it's like that t- level of melodramatic nonsense 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be something special. <laughs> uh, next was Loki. I thought this was a lot of fun. I mean, Tom Hiddleston, that's his name, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, he's charismatic enough, though, that you could kind of do about anything, and it's gonna, you're going to go like, oh, yeah, I kind of want to see that. So I'm interested. It looks weird. Yeah, I agree. I think it looks fun. Mm-hmm. I I think he's an absolute perfect casting for Loki and I've like like any time he's been in a movie even if it was a bad movie he's made it better. Yeah. So uh you know a whole show of him and I'm on board. Next is What If. I actually didn't see that trailer. But you know I mean it should be cool like they've been talking about this for a while they're getting I think all of the voices back so that should be pretty great. Um, yeah. I, I think the... it was just like a teaser, by the way, not like okay. a full-blown trailer. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's one of those things, too, where it's like, I always love those series. I don't think they can go near as dark as the comics ever go, because it seems like every issue of those comics, it's like, well, what if this happened? Like, well, it turns out that would have been way worse. Everybody died. Right. The end. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're going to be doing that, but, you know. Yeah. Um, next, and I think this one just had like a sizzle reel, but Ms. Marvel didn't see anything for that one either. Um, but yeah, no, like I've been interested in the series. It's, it's a character that is cool. My one thing that I, I don't like that I will be critical of is in the comic. I know she, when she first started off with her powers, she could change how she looked and she'd look like Carol. And in this, they just gave her a costume that looked like Carol's. So you have like a, a kid doing like a cosplay and it doesn't look very like it's not even a good cosplay of of uh, Captain Marvel like there's better cosplays at C2E2 of that and so like it that just does not look very good I'm sure when she's in her regular costume it's gonna look a lot better but yeah it was pretty rough right did you see that picture no I didn't you're better off (laughs) (laughs) um let's see here Ironheart. I didn't see anything for this. Uh, my yeah, okay, so the, the rest that I that I mentioned will not have had trailers at okay. all. Yeah, I mean, I knew they were making one. Uh, like, I don't know how necessary it is, but heck, if people like it, cool. Like, it's a, it's a character I know nothing about, so I'm not you know invested at all. Right. What about Secret Invasion? That's a neat idea. Um, But it's like, man, I wish that they could just do this as like a movie instead where you get all of the, you know, superheroes in it. Instead, I think it's just Nick Fury, isn't it? Yeah, and the uh, that one scroll, like the main scroll from the Captain Marvel movie, uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character will also be in it. So, yeah, I mean, that's a little like lame but because yeah it would be much more fun if this was the next avengers movie yeah this next one was armor wars starring don Cheadle's war machine that should be really cool i they there needs to be like with that there needs to be a crossover with Ironheart. you know it just makes sense since you're gonna have you know basically 
war machine fighting against a bunch of Iron Man, you know, armors. Like, you need to have another person in an iron suit to help him out. Yeah, I'm hoping we see Crimson Dynamo. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. And also more Sam Rockwell's Justin Hammer. Oh, man, that'd make <laughs> me so happy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I don't really know what this one is supposed to be, but I am Groot. I don't know if it's animated or if it's like a show or just like a special. I think it. what I saw, and this could just be a fever dream, was this like it was supposed to be a six part series uh animated baby group stuff okay so this one's for the kids most likely and us and us <laughs> and then i saw that james gunn is actually going to do a live action holiday special with the guardians characters yeah i saw that too that should be pretty fun yeah i agree uh yeah the the last two we've already talked about which was uh hawkeye and moon knight um but then a couple other things that we saw so let's see dr strange will introduce america chavez that's cool and then we got a title for the next ant-man film which is ant-man and the wasp quantumania so nice and i think that villain's supposed to be kang the conqueror yeah which it's kind of a waste of that character, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's an Avengers bad guy for sure. Yeah. He's he's going to be basically what Taskmaster is in Deadpool comics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But anyway, if you're a fan of the MCU, I'm sure all that is very, very exciting. I'm I'm a little worried, and this is, like, I've said this for a while. It might be oversaturation for superhero stuff, like... You'd think the bubble would have to burst sooner or later, so I'm wondering if that's going to happen with this. I see what you mean, but also I think it's going to be spaced out enough to where, like, like we're not going to be seeing, like, three of these running at the same time. You know what True. I mean? True. So, all right. Well, that's all for that little bullet point. All right. So uh, I saw this on Twitter. Charles Soule announced a new creator-owned book called Hell to Pay. It, he described it as the thrilling, readable child of Constantine and Indiana Jones, which just sounds amazing. I'm like, I mean, first, really, honestly, when Charles Soule announced that he's got a creator own book, I was like, OK, I'll read it. And then when he described it as that, I'm like, OK, I'm going to make sure Jake gets this to me. Uh, the <laughs> art's going to be by Will Sliney. I don't know if that's how you say his name, but and. Yep. And then Will and the colorist, Rachel Rosenberg, will do the art and stuff live on Twitch. And they're going to, like, even, like, Charles will be on there and he'll talk plot stuff. And Excuse me one sec. <coughs> he'll be on there talking, you know, plot points and all that stuff with them. And they're going to have a Twitch variant cover that you can order through the stream. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. I'm actually going to get on Twitch and watch that, too. <coughs> yeah. Excuse well, that's me. exciting. I think that sounds super cool. Charles Soule is a great writer, so I'm looking forward to that, too. Um. Okay, so... Also, in 
I don't know if it's 2021 or 2022, but we're getting a new Sonic animated show through Netflix. I'm super pumped for that. See, I figured that when you said the biggest news that came out, this was the biggest news <laughs> that you were talking about. It was it was the biggest news for me. Oh, okay. For me personally. <laughs> now, has Netflix approached you about a show that just like is you recapping each episode? Oh, like like Talking Dead? Yeah. But it's talking song. Dude, I would love that. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Come on, Netflix. We d- we just gave you the perfect show idea. <laughs> They they sign you up, you know, for like 30 episodes, but then Sonic gets canceled after 10. You're like, hot. Oh, what am I going to do for these other 20 episodes? <laughs> I could just, uh, they could pay me to read the old Archie series, like all the bonkers issues. There you go. Talk about those. <laughs> so, um, Christian Bale has, it's been announced that he is going to play Gore the God Butcher in Love and Thunder, which... I mean, I know you should be excited about that. Yeah, I I mean, he we know he's a great actor, so to see him play crazy gore is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I I heard Do you have any thoughts on it? I heard he's going to be try to put on like 700 pounds because he's method and you know get facial <laughs> surgery done to really look really look the part. Uh no, I mean, I've never read that series, so I'm I'm happy Jason Aaron's making some money. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Jeff Thorne, last week I talked about some of his old tweets and how he felt about Hal Jordan. Well, he, he, I don't know where he posted this, but he wrote a response to all those old tweets. And so I'll share that with you now. There is a massive difference between speaking as a fan to other fans and working as a professional writer in a professional context. I do not take jobs to quote-unquote on fans. I do not have vendettas against fictional characters. I'm not allowed to say what the focus of the book will be for legal and ethical reasons, but I can assure you that when and if Hal appears, he will be the Hal Jordan that has been established and will behave the way DC Comics would like him to be portrayed. I do not diminish one character in order to elevate another. And in fact, if we're going through my tweets, you'd find several saying how much I hate when that is done. It's an example of poor writing. When I'm a fan, I speak as a fan. When I sit down to write, that stops. I do not subscribe to the tribalism and angry fist shaking that seems to be the rule with many current fans. Every Lantern has fans who think that they should be THE Lantern. Neither I nor DC Comics have any intention of crapping on them. I have between 30 and 50,000 comics dating back to the 1940s. I love comics. Love. I'm here to tell great stories as it is as is the rest of the team. We're excited as heck about what's coming. For all of you, I'm an unknown commodity, but being unknown, you shouldn't automatically expect trouble any more than you should automatically expect greatness. I have an epic yarn to tell with a lot of great things coming that haven't been hinted at, much less announced. Um, and then he goes on to, to say some more about other things. But uh, basically, at the end, he says, anyone who thinks I have any intention of crapping on Al Jordan can sit down and be still, because that is a straight-up lie. I will tell the story that I came to tell. 
I mean, I I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't really think he was gonna go out of his way to make Hal look stupid or anything like that. When that you know those kind of got brought back up, I also hate when people bring up past tweets to kind of crap on somebody. But I will say, my stance stands where it's like a Green Lantern book at this point with this many Green Lanterns shouldn't be focused on just one Lantern, and that's my main gripe with it with his coming up book. Like I'm still gonna read it. I like John Stewart. I like really all the green lanterns so i mean it's gonna get read by me but i just i just hate that he is just focusing on the one green lantern yeah well we'll see i mean maybe maybe editorial or somebody will will push towards having more of them in it and that's why the whole him writing how thing came up who knows And he probably, and honestly, he probably just said something that made one person mad. And so then that person then went back to all of his old tweets and posted them to try to get him kicked off the, you know, try to get up outraged, kick him off a book. Because that happens way too much anymore. It's stupid. Yeah, I agree. All right. So in a recent interview, uh, Reginald Hudson told comicbook.com, uh, comicbook.com that his new, that the new milestone is going to have more comics, movies, and TV shows. Like, they're doing more than just a Static Shock movie. They're doing a bunch of different stuff that they have planned out. Um, he's Hudson is teaming up with Dennis Cowens to do it. He didn't really go into a lot of detail. I don't think he could. It was, you know, he was keeping it vague, but he was just making sure that we knew as fans that it's more than just Static, which that's exciting. That is exciting. While I'm most excited for Static, I still do enjoy Icon and you know rocket and some of the others uh hardware so that that'll still be neat and whatever they do i'm going to check out yeah and it's also just neat having new characters like that's that's what my whole thought is too it's like yeah I, i've never read like i read a little bit of icon and it's like some of these other characters and like random crossover stuff never really read that much of them in general it'll just be cool to see them and you know get get to know them more if you know if i read more yeah. of them i'll you know if they act if it keeps my attention i should say yeah absolutely and it might might have people get so interested that they go back and read some of the old milestone stuff too which is always exciting all right and then my last bit of news uh quintessa swindell is cast to play cyclone in the black adam movie i don't know anything about them really i just saw rock posted that instagram post today so the cast is coming together. The movie might, you know, might actually get made. <laughs> well, but I hope it goes well. Yeah. I mean, I'm still interested in hearing what actually the plot is going to be. Because, you know, we don't know anything about it yet. That's true. We got that fun little animated thing that yeah. he, you know, narrated. But I don't know. Like, at this point, if the most... If the if the highest paid actor in Hollywood wants something to happen, I'm sure it'll happen. For sure. I mean, the only downside is he is busy. You know, he yeah he's got another Hobbs and Shaw to make maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last thing I have then is the new Star Wars series that were announced. Um. So we've got. Rangers of the New Republic. And it, some of these I have no idea. Like, they haven't really said what it's going to be. Is that, do you know if, like, they're going to be animated or not animated? 
Um, I, on that one in particular, I do not know. All right, because that just sounds like something that would be animated, like the Clone Wars style. In my that's how I'm picturing it in my head, anyway. Right. Um, and then we've got Ahsoka, which is going to be a Mandalorian spinoff. It will star Rosario Dawson. How did you like her in that? Because I haven't seen, like, I have not watched Mandalorian yet because I don't have Disney Plus. But people <laughs> I've been reading about, like, they've been, they really liked her as Ahsoka. How did you like it as a fan of both, you know, Mandalorian and uh, Clone Wars? Well, it was the best episode that I had seen until the next week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She did a great job. Like, the action scenes were very, uh, for lack of a better term, dumbed down. Because, let's be real, she's not, you know, a a spry young chick anymore. Um, But what we got was really great. Like they, 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 they relied on like, you know, stealth instead of like heavy choreography, Yeah, which is fine. Um, but it should be cool. I don't see it being more than a limited series for, you know, mostly for that reason, but also like you can only do so much with her after what happened in the Mandalorian. Okay. So, uh, but I'm definitely on board for it. Like it, it was a phenomenal episode. Good. Next, we've got an untitled Taika Waititi film. Uh, There's literally no info on it other than he's doing a Star Wars movie. So, the next one, I am. mm -hmm. I was just gonna say, I'm I'm excited about that. I like. Have you seen Jojo Rabbit? Like, I know you've you weren't the hottest on Ragnarok. Have you seen Jojo Rabbit? No, I haven't. You need to check it out. It's on HBO Max. It's so dang good. And so I'm like, if his Star Wars movie is anything like Ragnarok or anything like Jojo Rabbit, I'm going to be all about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it'll be fun, especially if it's like new characters or whatever, you know. Next is Rogue Squadron. That will be a film directed by Patty Jenkins, who does the Wonder Woman franchise. I love the Rogue Squadron game from back in the day on GameCube. And I love the Rogue Squadron Dark Horse comics. And I love the Wonder Woman movie. So this has me incredibly hyped. Yeah. I cannot wait to see it, especially if it does follow. Because Rogue Squadron is supposed to be like the adventures of Wedge Antilles and his squadron crew. So if that's what this is, I can't wait. Yeah, Patty, I'm, I'm on first name basis with her. She should be able to kill it. Like, that should just be cake for her, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. Especially because, you know, there is this little, like, promo that they did for it where she was talking about her dad being a fighter pilot, and she always wanted to make a movie about fighter pilots. She was like, so now I get to make a movie about two things I love, fighter pilots and Star Wars. And then the Rogue Squadron, you know, banner came up. And I was like, oh, man, that's That's going to be awesome. (laughs) It'd be hilarious if she was like, my dad was a fighter pilot and he, not Luke, was the one that blew up the Death Star. And everyone's (laughs) like, what are you talking about, Patty? (laughs) If only. (laughs) The next one is called The Acolyte. 
And the little blurb that I found said, The Acolyte is a new series that will be a mystery thriller that will take the audience into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. So Leslie Headland, the creator of Russian Doll, will lead that film. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it sounds I like thrillers and I like Star Wars. So yeah. <laughs> there was an Obi-Wan Kenobi update that officially Hayden Christensen will be returning as Darth Vader in the show. And the show will take place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. So we can put all the rumors to rest. He's officially coming back. Yeah, I, wonder, I think it's cool. Well, like if he's just if he's only gonna be Darth Vader, it's like, did you really need him? So like, I'm hoping he's gonna get to be Anakin in it too, and this leads to like him doing random crap as like Ghost Anakin or whatever in later Star Wars stuff. Right. I think that because uh, you know. A, a lot of people <laughs> have very strong feelings about his character in uh, in the movies, but I think under like you know a different director and different script, yeah, he could be really great. No, I do so. too. I mean, I was very critical of him when I was younger, but then like you go back and you look at the script that he was working on, working you know working with, it's like. Whew, I don't think anyone could make that whole sand dialogue good. <laughs> right, exactly. But anyway, that, you know, it'll still be cool. Like, what? Even if you didn't like the prequels, people that watch that and see him come back are going to think it's neat. And again, this is another one of those things where he, it's aged really well for him because there's so many prequel memes out there. People on Twitter, again... Yeah, as I've as I've noted that they are not the smartest when it comes to being excited about things. They were so excited about this. <laughs> That's so funny. Because <laughs> like five years ago would have been a totally different. Oh team. yeah, they would have they would have wanted his head on a you know like they would have been screaming like oh Disney's ruining Star Wars, bringing back Hayden Christensen, blah blah blah. Now they're like, yeah, I just can't wait till you know. 10 years from now when they decide to bring back the cast from uh, the uh, the newest Star Wars movies into a Star Wars thing. People would be so excited about that, too. <laughs> right. Well, I will stand firm on not being excited for that. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> All right. The next one is Star Wars Visions, which is going to be a series of animated short films celebrating Star Wars through the lens of the world's best anime creators. So I'm all on board for that. <laughs> that could be really cool, or it could end up like the Animatrix. It could, but I I, I have enough, uh, I don't know, fanboy giddiness that I think <laughs> it'll be cool. I got you, man. And then we've got Andor, which is all about Cassian Andor, who was one of the main characters in Rogue One. I, I mean, at this point, Spoilers are out the door. It's going to have to be a prequel, but, uh, you know, so was Rogue One, and it was one of the best Star Wars films that's ever been made. So I'm all about this. I was really hoping you said Endor, and it was going to all be about, you know, Wicket and the other um, little guys on Endor. I'm blanking on their names now. 
<laughs> the Ewoks. Ewoks, that's the, that's the one. Funny you should mention that, though, because Warwick Davis, uh, he they, they had an announcement for a new Willow thing through Disney Plus that Warwick is actually going to star in. So Nice. That's pretty interesting. Um, next, we've got a droid story. And this series will introduce us to a new hero guided by the legendary duo of R2-D2 and C-3PO. I'm sure it's going to be animated probably. Yeah. Because I, I think this was going to be one of the more, you know, kiddie ones. But no, it it's still the, be fun. It's the gritty C-3PO <laughs> movie that we've all been clamoring for. <laughs> I have been, man. That'd be awesome. Um, next is Lando. Lando Calrissian will return in a brand new event series for Disney Plus. Have no idea if uh, almost said Danny Glover, if Donald Glover <laughs> will uh, will play Lando again. I think he was really good in Solo, so I I hope that it is him. But either way, Lando's cool, and whatever it is, I'm gonna check it out for sure. You know why it wouldn't be Danny Glover? <laughs> Why? Because he is too old for that crap. <laughs> You're not wrong. And then finally, Star Wars The Bad Batch. And that one's going to be awesome because it's going to be basically a direct sequel to the Clone Wars TV show focusing on that group of clone troopers that was called The Bad Batch. And the trailer was awesome. And I can't wait for that because Clone Wars was great. And I think this is going to be the true, like, like follow-up ending that the, the creators wanted to tell, basically. That'll be exciting. Yeah, I remember hearing about the Bad Batch stuff, so it should be pretty cool. Yeah, and, and this is a small thing, but at the end of the trailer for Bad Batch, they had the Star Wars Clone Wars show logo up there. And then it all burned away and showed Bad Batch. And I just think it was so cool Yeah, how they did the, the logo transition. I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that is everything. Overall, I am crazy excited for like it. It feels nice to be excited for Star Wars again, because I think that the the person kind of in charge of like like I'll say for lack of a better term, the editor for all this stuff is the, uh, the guy in charge of Mando, not like John Favreau, but like, you know, the higher up. So, you know, as long as that's the case, then I have no reason to think that the rest of these won't be in good hands. And then it's also, I think Disney's kind of got the Marvel approach right now with it. They're like, Hey, if we just throw a bunch of things at the wall, some of them are going to stick we don't have to keep building up just for one movie at a time like we like we did before and people then absolutely lose their mind over so if we do this we'll make yeah. even more money absolutely i did i do want to say real quick uh i saw <laughs> a response to like the big announcement where it showed all the shows coming out somebody um posted a meme from arrested development and I'm blanking on uh, 
the the mom's name in the show, but <laughs> she's handing money to one of the kids, and she said, "Here's some money. Go see a Star War." And it's like <laughs> this this is Disney's mindset for the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Well, dang, it's been forty right. minutes, and we just finished up our news. I know it's insane, but there was a lot of cool stuff to talk about. I have no that's regrets. True. <laughs> all right well we'll take a quick ad break and then we'll get through the comics read this week so we'll be right back all righty welcome back casey let's hop into the comics that we read this week which ones did you get through okay so i read ultraman the rise of ultraman number four juggernaut number four dc's very merry multiverse 80 page giant number one guardians of the galaxy number nine Mountainhead number five, crossover number two, Wonder Woman 768, Venom 31, The Flash 767, Superman Special number one, and The Last Stories of the DC Universe. What about you? I read Flash 767 or whatever you said. I read... Wonder Woman 767 and 768 because I had missed the last issue. Um, Norse Mythology number three. The Sumerian Frost Giant's Daughter number one. And the Superman special. Dang, you missed out on the the Dark Knight's Death Metal tie-in. I did. I wanted to read that as well as the new Batman Black and White and the Mary whatever a christmas special i just kind of ran out of time because <laughs> there was a lot of books out this week okay but that's okay because you missed one of the death metal tie-ins so now you know now yeah. we're even here's the difference though this one's actually really good <laughs> of course it is <laughs> okay. you had a few more than me though so i'll let you begin yeah how many more did, how many did you have exactly because then i'll i'll know how to so, you know let's see read how to do my reviews um i'll say five i don't need to talk about the previous issue of wonder woman i'll just talk about the new one so five total i think we both read flash superman and wonder woman yeah so i got on out, outside of those i got one two three four five six seven eight so yeah all right. so that means you have two that i didn't read correct yes okay so i'll just do four of them and then let you do one of yours and then I'll do four more <laughs> and then let you do your last one yep. and we'll go together. Okay. So Ultraman number four, this is by Higgins and Matt Groom and art is by Francisco Mana. And this picks up where the last one left off that you, you get, you know, you find out that his, that the girl didn't get killed. She got put into a dimension where all the monsters are. So he goes after her. And then you finally see some actual, you know, giant sized kaiju and one comes back over, you know, outside of the limbo area with them. This was a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it more and more each issue. My only like my biggest gripe about this is the first issue had like all these fun other like kind of outside stories. And after that issue, they just kind of stopped doing that. So like you actually had like different things that were like oh, this, you know, what happens next? And then they just kind of discontinued it and they've never brought back up what happens in these other stories, which that's annoying. 
But this was actually a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it more than I had the other issues. I'm going to give this one... I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Uh, like I said, I liked it. It's The art's nice in it. The story's fine. It's pretty neat. And like you're getting more Ultraman stuff. I wish it had any ties to the Marvel Universe, though. It's like, what's the point without that? And then next is The Juggernaut, uh, number 4. And this is by Fabian Nicia and... Ron Graney on the art. I love the art. Again, this, this the plucky sidekick YouTuber is a bit annoying, but you have Juggernaut going against, um, oh, the Nazi scientist with the, who's, you know, like a, just a computer screen. Um, oh, Arnon Zola. I always get him and Zemo mixed up because they're both Z names. But, and then there's more story on, you know, Juggernaut's new power and all this different stuff and all that. It's fun. It's interesting. I, I've been enjoying this book a lot. Uh, this would probably be an eight for me. Or no, I'd go seven also. It's not like... It's nothing really new. And like the, the sidekick is annoying. But the art is amazing. And just seeing Juggernaut wreck stuff is the coolest. And then the DC's Very Merry Multiverse. Uh, so we have... A Harley Quinn story to start by Paul Shear and Nick Giovanti with Steve Lieber on the art. The art in this is fantastic. Um, I'm not a fan of Paul Shear as a comedian or as a comic book writer, so this story is not my favorite. It was fine, but yeah, it didn't really do much for me. Uh, Batman and Christmas by Gaslight by John uh, Lehman, and art was by, done by Danny. And this one was actually really good. Um, you have it's like a plastic man story from Gotham by gaslight time period. Like it, so that was, that was neat. Um, teen justice and to stop the star conquerors by Ivan Cohen and Eleonora Carlini. And this was neat. It's like basically a lot of it's gender swap teen superheroes fighting gender swap main superheroes. So like there's Donald Troy, and stuff like that, which it's that's neat. <laughs> it's funny. Like Donald Troy made me laugh the most. And so yeah, they fight them because the the parents are all taken over by Zar uh, Starro. They save the day. And then there's a Bizarro Love Holiday, and that's by David F. Walker and Gustavo Duarte. And I really like the art in this. It's uh, President Superman, and he talks about how he came up with this holiday. He f ends up having to fight Bizarro, but then someone actually is, you know, shows kindness to Bizarro. So he's like, Oh, I actually like this now, but you know, he says he hates it instead. And so that, you know, it's, it's just a nice little story. And then there's another one, uh, Terry's looking up to find, um, the present to get Bruce. And it was this old submarine that had wrecked at the bottom of the, you know, ocean or Gotham Harbor or whatever. And so he goes to find that he gets in there, he gets blasted with this light. Then he starts seeing like, the goat like Christmas past and it's oh little Bruce and he's opened up a present and then the gray ghost is talking to him and he's the ghost of Christmas past basically and then you get present time without Bat how it, the world would be without Batman they're just you know these the Joker gang is destroying stuff and then the Joker is there talking to him you know Batman Beyond Joker is telling him different stuff and then it goes to the future and then you have Ghost of Christmas Future 
and there's Terry there, and these robots are about to attack him, and then this Batwoman comes in, beats them all up, and then <laughs> it turns out that it, oh, that's his daughter, and then the Ghost of Christmas Future is Dana, and then he wakes up, he got zapped with some radiation, that's why he was seeing all this stuff, and then Bruce is like, oh, what's this? And then, like, the submarine pops up, and then, you know, Bruce tells him how, oh, the submarine actually, you know, he didn't wreck it, um, Alfred wrecked it, and he, you know, never wanted to drive anything after that because of the fact that he was so embarrassed. And then, like, Terry's like, well, the sub's not the, not the gift. That's just a wrapping press. Inside, look under the seat. And then there's Alfred's old walking cane. And this was the best story. That was just really well done. It, I was like, oh, that's, that's just really nice, you know? And then the next story I really did not like. It was The League of Shadows, Night of the Magi, and it, it's by... Sholy Fish is the writer, and Vanessa Del Rey does the art. And the art, I'm not going to lie, like it's better than anything I could do, but it is sloppy. And it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. Like, you can tell it's, you know, like kind of a ragman type story and all this stuff. But yeah, it's just, it didn't do much for me. Like, I like the characters, and I should have liked this story, but with the way the art was and the way it was jumping around, it just did not, I did not like it. And then the Unjustice League of America, or of Un-America, and Have Yourself a Bizarro Little Christmas by Thompson Gowski and Justin Mason on art. These type of bizarro stories get on my nerves because you have everyone talking, oh, me hate this, me gonna hug it, and all that type of stuff, and I just, I kind of lose interest pretty quick in that type of story. Uh, and then you have Booster Gold and Twas the Night. And this is by Brittany uh, Holzer and Todd Knock on the art. And this was fantastic. It made me so happy. You get Max, you get Booster Gold has to fill in because all like the C-list, you know, superhero personalities are working his restaurant. He doesn't have any A-listers working. So he's there to try to like, you know, get people excited. And then Max Lord shows up and he's going to rob the place. They fight. Booster gets knocked down, but then all of the other workers that you know were there pick up the different weapons that are on the walls and they, you know, help beat Max Lord. And then like all the people there then are like so happy that they're hanging out with these cool hero impersonators, you know. And then like Booster's then talking to Max at the end, and then he's like, "Oh, thanks for doing this," you know, and because it was all you know just all big a big old plan. And it was it was really cool, and plus you get to see Todd Knock drawing drawing the old booster which is always nice and then though we have prez and prez ricardo's magical sci-fi desolate souls club holiday special jay Barishal was the writer and uh dominique domo stanton was on the art and i'll be honest i couldn't get through this issue i not issue this story it was so just i did not care about it it was not very good and then the last one was a uh, Lobo story in a very Lobo Hanukkah by Tom King. And it's like Lobo's a layup. Anyone can write a good Lobo story. Tom King found a way to, you know, not do a very good job at it. And this might be my bias coming through because I don't like Tom King. So take that as you will. But yeah, it just, you know, it just didn't do it for me. But all in all, this was a lot of fun. I mean, heck, it's worth it's worth buying just to have Todd Knock draw booster gold and that batman beyond story was fantastic so i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it another seven
And then the last story is Guardians of the Galaxy number nine. Um, so this is all about Star-Lord. It's what he's been doing this whole time. He ends up on this like weird planet with this uh, polyamorous couple that are, you know, like always inviting, like, cause he, you know, he helps them out doing stuff cause he, for some reason, doesn't want to try to find the other guardians. And so he's like, he's with them. They're like, oh, hey, you could just join us in our polyamorous couple. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm with somebody. And like years are going by, like it's three years at 12 years. He's finally like, you know what? I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. So he just decides he is now in this polyamorous couple with this other couple. And, you know, he's got both of them. So like that was one of the big things that a lot of people were really excited about. I saw on Twitter, like it's trending right now where the Guardians of the Galaxy is trending because, oh, Peter Quill is bisexual. And it's like, as I'm reading this, this is like such an issue that I did not care about. And I was just kind of left going like, Al Ewing just writes things that aren't good, but he inter- he includes like LGBT stuff in it so that people will be excited about it and talk about it, even though he's not that good of a writer. Like that's kind of like the thing, the, my main takeaway from this, because this is another thing where it's just like the Hercules thing where it's like, it's not that good. And you know, it's not that interesting, but Hey, now Peter's by, so that's something. But yeah, at the end, like the, all of the, um, Greek gods are coming after them and they're, you know, chasing them. They're gonna, all going to die. But then Peter jumps through this gate that's supposed to take him home and he lands and he's looking and, oh, there's Nova and there's uh, Rocket and they turn around and then there's like a King in Black thing and that's how it ends. And yeah, it's just, it's just like, man, I remember like earlier this year, I was really excited about Al Ewing. Like, he was doing a good job on Immortal Hulk, and I don't think he had taken over this yet, but I was just like, yeah, Al Ewing, he's a good writer. And now, like, at the end of the year, I'm like, man, Al Ewing's not very good, and it sucks that, like, my opinions shifted that much. But yeah, I'd give this, like, a, probably a 4 out of 10. It's just, it was just kind of, like, this long, boring thing, and then, like, when the action finally happened, the art layout, which I don't think I mentioned the artist's name, but the layout of the, all the art, I all the panels and stuff I just wasn't super hot on uh, it's Juan Cabal on the art and yeah it just didn't didn't really do it for me so I mean I'm glad people are liking it but I just really think it's kind of like a a bait to get people to talk about it versus actually him actually caring about any of that type of stuff but now I'll let you talk buddy all right I will talk about Norse mythology number three this was written by Neil Gaiman and P. Craig Russell did the art. This one is the start of the Master Builder myth. Uh, it's really awesome. Basically, Odin's like, man, you know what Asgard could really use? A big old wall so none of the giants or trolls could get in here and destroy Asgard. And so this Master Builder says uh, that he can do it and he can do it in three seasons meaning a winter a summer and then another winter and all he wants in return is for freya's hand in marriage the sun and the moon just those three little things and he'll do it and 
Freya and all the gods are like, no, like those things are way too valuable for this wall. Like we don't need it that bad. But Loki convinces the gods that this guy, he, I mean, he's just a guy. So there's no way that he could do a wall around all of Asgard in that time. And so Loki's like, why don't we say you get one season and no help from anyone and if you can do it, then you get those things. So the gods are, and, and the guy agree to that. And, you know, surprise, the builder nearly gets it done. It's like the night before his cutoff. And Odin's like, I can't believe we listened to Loki again. <laughs> and here we are in this situation. So Odin's like, Loki, you need to, like, stop him without killing him or his horse. Like, stop him from completing this so that we don't have to give up Freya the sun and the moon and Loki's like okay I've got an idea and he walks off and that's the end of the issue so the second half will come in number four but it's like the art is amazing the writing is good it's got good humor um, you know for mythology everything about it is great I loved it I gave it an 8 out of 10 nice man Okay, so next for me is Mountainhead Number 5 by John Lees and Ryan Lee. Now, I had read this previously, as you guys know, if you listen to the Mountainhead special when we got the preview, but this it's so much better in comic book form. Like, the panels, it just it works better than on a computer screen, and I really, really love this. I love this series. I love this issue. This one would be a 10 for me. Uh when this comes out in trade, if you haven't been reading the single issues, pick it up. It's going to be really, really great. Um, so crossover number two. This is by Donnie Case and Jeff Shaw. And I'm just going to read this opening quote because and then like a little bit later, like a little bit after that, because it's kind of funny. But uh, it starts with Brian K. Vaughn, acclaimed Marvel Comics writer, has been found brutally murdered today in his uh, Palacia, New York home. And then comic book writer found comic book writer found dead and then it's like 14 14th comic book writer to be found dead in the last three weeks chip zadarsky scott snyder and robert kirkman still missing and so then it goes to the when i was reading this i'm like why would they put marvel writer that was my first thought for brian k vaughn but then like the comic book shop owner guy that like is one of the main characters he goes holy crap bkv what the marvel writer really that's how you i'm like okay i'm already relating to this character too much (laughs) but um no, so this just shows more world building. You have stuff with Ellie, and then you have stuff with the kid that burned down the comic book shop in the last issue, and kind of some of the weird crap that's going on there. And you're finding out that they put the comic book characters in camps because they don't know if they have superpowers or not, and all that stuff. Like it, This is a really good book. You need to be reading it. And yeah, I'd give this a 9 out of 10. I loved it. And then Venom 31. So I was worried that I was going to have to read this issue to kind of know what was going on in King and Black, the next issue. You really didn't. Like, it's just kind of like Eddie Brock doing some pretty cool stuff as he's falling, but it just ends with him, like, hitting the ground, basically. So, I mean, actually, I just looked at the last page. He didn't actually hit the ground. He's still falling at the end of this. So it was kind of, like, it was a good issue. Like, it's by Donny Cates and, um, got to find the artist's name. Uh, Ivan Coella, and so yeah, 
it's it was neat issue pretty cool i bet it's a really really cool if you've been reading venom this whole time uh yeah though i i enjoyed it i'd give it a seven out of ten like i'm actually kind of excited about king and black in general now like i wasn't that excited before but now for more you know as more of this kind of happens i'm like you know what yeah yeah i'm kind of excited about this uh okay and then uh Dark Knight's Death Metal, the last stories of the DC Universe. So, yeah, with this, we got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories. The first one's The Titans and Together by Josh Williamson and James Tynan and Scott Snyder and Travis Moore on the art. So this is Donna Troy. She's, you know, all the Titans are there, and they're just all kind of visiting, talking and stuff, and then it ends with Wally showing back up. And Donna Troy used to date you know used to have a really good relationship with speedy and wally is kind of responsible for his death so that's how it ends she's staring at him and then it cuts to the hal jordan story that's by it's called latin last nights and it's by jeff lemire and Raphael albuquerque on the art and this story i really love like it, he tells what the other lanterns are doing guys getting a drink john is training the newbies and kyle is uh with the teen with the titans and then he sees sinestro they want to fight he kind of wants to fight him and then sinestro wants to be a lantern again and hal decides you know what everyone deserves a second chance and they both you know get their rings they kind of talk and they fly off and it's like it's neat because you don't really see sinestro and hal be friends that often but like you forget that they were friends and so this was a really good issue that just kind of shows that. And then the next one is Wonder Woman in The Question. This is by Mariko Tamaki and Daniel Simpiri on the art. I love the art in this, and the story was really good. And you have Wonder Woman just kind of figuring out, you know, what, she do, what she's doing and all that type of stuff. And it's just, it's a really good issue, or a really good story. And then the next is Green Arrow and Black Canary in uh, Dust of a Distant Storm by Gail Simone and uh, Megan Hetrick on the art. And I haven't read uh, Black Canary or Green Arrow in a long time, but both these characters seem very much um, out of character. But it's also like the Green Arrow that I had read was an older Green Arrow than the Rebirth Green Arrow, so I'm going to you know say that's part of the reason. But yeah, you see like a different Earth's Green Arrow and Black Canary's daughter, and they, you know meet you know they meet the, her and all that stuff and it was it was like one like i didn't wasn't super hot on this story but i'm also not the biggest gail simone fan i bet if you like gail simone you'd be really big on this story and then uh next one is aquaman and Whalefall, and this is by christopher sabella and christopher mooney ham on the art and this art is fantastic the story itself i could not be bothered to care about like i'm not the biggest aquaman fan and this is like introspective Aquaman so it's like man this is the least interesting Aquaman I could even think of but the art is incredible and then the next story is the Bat Family and We Fight for Love this is by Cecil Castellucci and Mirka Andolfa on the art and so this is Batman he's getting the whole family together just to talk to him before they do their final battle and it's pretty good you kind of have some stuff go on with Dick and Barbara. So if you're, you know, shipping that group, this is a big, big story for you. And yeah, I like this one. Uh, 
then Superman and Man of Tomorrow by Mark Wade and Francis Manpole on art and colors. And I mean, I'll be honest, like I want this to, this Superman story just to be made into a drug and injected into me because it's so perfect. Mark Wade, like he hasn't written Superman in a while, but I have a feeling he's been writing, you know, like he's been writing uh, his fan stories just to himself for years ever since he got kicked out of DC because this is so, so dang good. And then you have the last issue, the last story, and it's picking up back where the Titans one left off. So Donna forgives Wally, and then they're all kind of standing around to kind of decide what to do. And then um, Batman brings back some of the old heroes, and Roy is back as a zombie. So he might be hitting up some zombie heroine here in a bit. And then... They, you know, they kind of talk. He kind of gives Wally the, the side eye. And then, you know, it, it ends with them writing, you know, like Donna writing together in the sand. And then they're all ready to wage war. And, yeah, I, I love this. Like like I said, the Aquaman one I wasn't super hot on. And the Black Canary one I wasn't super hot on. But, like, a big part of that is just I don't care much for those characters. The Green Lantern one, the Titans one, the Wonder Woman one, and the Superman one were all fantastic. The Batman one was fine. But yeah, I'd give this a 9 out of 10. I really, really loved it. All right. Next, I will talk about the Sumerian, the Frost Giant's daughter, number one. So the Sumerian is basically Conan the Barbarian stories told by a blaze I don't really know how they can tell these stories since Marvel has rights to Conan, but these are like how they were meant to be told without being uh, not like censored, but you know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't leave anything out, which I can appreciate. So this is the, the introduction of the classic uh, Robert E. Howard uh, novel called The Frost Giant's Daughter. But man, this issue was super cool. It, uh, let me find the artist's name. Oh, wow. It was written and drawn by the same guy uh, or gal, Robin Recht. But uh, the art was very, very, very good. Perfect for uh, just this snowy, like, gritty battle story. Um, but anyway, the whole point of the Frost Giant's daughter is that she's sort of this mythical being and the Vikings are like, not Vikings, but like barbarians fight very hard because the best fighter in these great battles will be chosen by the Frost Giant's daughter for what's presumed to be relations. And so it shows these, these warriors walking to this great battle and they're talking about how they're going to be the best fighter and uh and and win the favor of the frost giant's daughter and then it cuts to the frost giant's daughter with her two giant polar bears that she hangs out with and she's like oh it's it's definitely going to be uh this guy who's gosh totally blanking on his name uh heimdall She's like, it's definitely going to be Heimdall after this fight. Like, nobody's beat him. He's big and he's strong. Like, he's definitely going to be my choice. But then she 
she feels this presence that she's never felt before. She's like, I don't know who this is. Like, I know everybody that's lived and died in that battle, and I don't know who this is. And the person walks up to Heimdall, who's the last guy standing in this fight, and he takes off his helmet, and it's Conan. Ooh. And the guy's like, you know, who are you? I, I've killed everybody here, and, and you're next. The guy's like, my name is Conan, old man, and I'm going to kill you. And then it says, Heimdall is never known defeat, uh, but I like this guy's power. And it's the voice of the, the Frostrand's daughter. And it says, to be continued. So next fight, or next issue is going to be a big old fight between Conan and Heimdall. And I can't wait. Like, uh, Wrecked did this really, really, I don't know, their art style is cool. So like, there's lots of cool snowfall um, effects throughout the issue. And then during the fight scenes, like all the snowfall is red and they do like a red and black shaded thing to signify all the blood and carnage that's going on. And it just looks so dang cool. And I can't wait for more of it next issue. But uh, whether you know the story of the Frost Giant's Daughter or not, this is definitely a medium that you should check it out in because the art style is just gorgeous. But I liked it a lot. Easy 9 out of 10 for me. What I what I was just thinking in my head, I know it's not, but how funny would it be if instead of Conan the Barbarian, it was Conan O'Brien? <laughs> <laughs> I would be sorely disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> like he takes off the thing, it's just that the, the weird ginger haircut that he has, you know? <laughs> he, like he does his celly, one of his silly faces and then he starts fighting the guy. <laughs> oh boy. I'm glad that you're not writing this book, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> All right, you want to do Wonder Woman next? Yeah, we'll do that one first. Okay. Thoughts? Uh, I really liked it. I mean, it's like the Liar Liar stuff is still kind of silly to me, but, you know, Marco Tamaki, I, I like her writing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. What about you? Yeah, I actually thought it was better than the last couple ones just because we're we're really seeing Liar Liar deteriorate right yeah we see her not take her meds in the in the ward that she was being kept in and stuff and she thinks she's a knight and all this and and i i don't know i just think it makes for a pretty interesting story the one thing that i have to to knock on this is the i assume the editor who will do the little asterisk thing and then just reference the last issue yeah. And that drives me insane. It's like, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you just picked it up at this issue, then that's helpful. But, like, most people know what's going on. And he did it in the last issue, too. And it just yeah. it just kind of, like, took me out of the story for a minute to be like, why did you need to say that? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that uh, didn't bother me at all. The issue was cool. <laughs> and I like how Liar Liar is seeing these people as like creatures and whatnot and then the deathstroke fight was neat even though i don't think that should be as close of a fight as it is it is what it is <laughs> well okay so two two things i will say about this though is like i like the deathstroke fight because i do agree wonder woman would win but it's also wonder woman wasn't really trying to beat him 
she just kind of explained the situation to him. And then, you know, Deathstroke's like, okay, you make a good point. And that was that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it never never no, once I, came I off. That. It never once came off like he had much of a chance. So, Right, but they referenced the last time that they fought where they did imply that he had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it's fine. That, Like I said, that didn't really bother me. It's just... I'd, it's still cool to see them fight because while I think she would win, he would obviously still be able to withstand her for a little bit. Yeah. So, so what would you give it out of ten? I'd give it an eight. Like I thought, I I liked it. Yeah, that's probably where I'm at with it too. All right. Then next we can talk about the Flash. Yep. Um, I didn't really like it. Like, nothing happened in that issue. Nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of explains more of what, you know, some of the backstory and all that other stuff that's kind of going on. And it's by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars with Clayton Henry on the art. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just like, oh, this is what's going on. Black Adam's kind of doing some, you know, sinister things. One thing that I hate, and they do this in both these stories, is you have a regular person outside in this negative 50-degree weather. They talked about all the different stuff that can happen. They don't have their hood up, and then she kisses Flash. It's like they'd be frozen together. And, like, yeah, you're a regular person. Ha- put, keep your hood up. Don't be an idiot. Yeah. They're... Like, I guess, and the other thing that bothered me is, so, I guess the one thing that the issue does is is show that Black Adam is opening up Kandak's borders for refugees from the storm, even though the storm is still happening there. So, as you know, Flash ends up going to Kandak, and and uh, Black Adam takes him in, and Barry tells him all these things that, the readers already know. And then whenever he leaves, Black Adam is like, oh, thank you for all this useful information. It's like, well, it wasn't really. Yeah. Because Black Adam said, you know, why isn't the Justice League doing anything? You guys haven't even found the source. And Barry's like, well, we're trying. We just don't know where he is. And then Barry leaves, and Black Adam's like, oh, thank you for that juicy information. It's like, well, he didn't tell you anything he didn't already know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but man, like, you know, I was stoked for this series. And so know, far, man. we haven't really gotten anything out of it. I mean, you, you and I don't least, know that we're going to. You at least like the first issue. I thought it was fine. But this didn't add anything to it. Yeah. No, and this this is also another one of those things where it's like, oh, they're still trying to write him as TV show Wally. Yeah, but I will say it wasn't nearly as bad as the first part. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. This this issue was just a big whatever to me. I'd give it like a five out of ten because if even if you hadn't read it and you go straight to part three, you wouldn't have missed anything. Yeah, no, I give it a five also, just because it's like, I mean, I haven't I haven't been hot on this. I had, 
like I had such low expectations for this and the Superman one that I was like, yeah, I don't really care that much. And then like, you know, this this Superman one especially kind of had like a few parts where I was pleasantly surprised, but you know, it's just kind of like, oh, it is what it is. Yeah. So let's go into Superman special. So this was written by uh, Lanning and Mars again. And then the, uh, the, the first part of the art, or like the first two or three pages, uh, was done by Marco Santucci. And the rest of the issue was done by Phil Hester and Andy Parks, which was really nice for me. Cause, <laughs> and, and I'm sure for you, too, because if you read anything DC in like the, the 90s or 2000s, like you saw those guys art. Yeah. And it really kind of brought me back to that time, and and I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I agree. This this story was a lot of fun. It was a good Superman story. It's just another one of those things where it, it might be nitpicking, but it's very much like in the like superhero movies when like the superheroes just take their masks off for no reason. You have these people that are walking out in the negative fifty degree snow, and they don't have their hoods up just to show that they're. I guess hoods are hard to draw up. Maybe that might be the reason. But they don't have their hoods up, and then like then she kisses Superman. Superman would be fr- like you would freeze to him, like it's not, <laughs> you know. I mean, it'd be like the the from a Christmas story when the kid sticks his tongue to the the post, like hey, just because he doesn't their have a- love melts the coldest ice. Oh, fair enough, man. I guess <laughs> I forgot that was one of Lois Lane's feats. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, I get what you mean, though. But uh, apart from that, like it, it was neat to see him talk to Ma and Pa and see Crypto and just kind of yeah. like recenter himself uh, before he flies off to do whatever comes next. Yeah. But overall, I, like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's like I kind of gave a lot of crap to Ron Mars with the last issue that we talked about and stuff. But it's like if there's one thing about Ron Mars that you get with like there's certain writers that also get it like Mark Wade is one that obviously comes to mind as far as someone that knows how to write Superman like he might do a lot of other stuff like plot wise that's just I don't like but he can write Superman he can write Superman's interactions with people real well so he did that well here yeah I agree and uh, it's because of that that I thought it was just infinitely better than the flash one who doesn't feel like the character at all it's like man how do you guys get this one so wrong but this one's so right (laughs) it just seems like ron mars just is a superman fanboy yeah not to take anything away from andy lanning but i'm giving a lot of that to ron mars (laughs) sure all right so casey which books are you excited for next week well i'd give that probably a six out of ten Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go six and a half. I, I liked it I- enough. Yeah. And then next week, I'm pretty pumped about, um, pull up the list, uh, the uh, Wolverine Black, White, Blood. I love that first issue that came out. This one I'm even more excited about. Um, oh, I'm going to say Stillwater. Number four, I've been loving that series. And then Dark Knight's Death Metal, number six. What about you, man? 
The final issue of Amethyst comes out, and that had been on hiatus for a little bit. So I'm excited to see how that wraps up. Probably Headlopper, number 14. And then, for the sake of not saying Batman like I do every time, I'll say Nightwing, 77. Okay, nice. All right. Boy, this is a long one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Want to hit me with a Fantastic Four? Yeah, since Christmas is coming up and you own a comic book shop, give me four gifts to get your comic book loving friends and family. So, as you can imagine, I get a lot of parents or grandparents or whatever that come in and say, you know, my son or my grandchild likes comics and I don't know anything about this stuff. Can you help me out? So, like, the easy answer is a gift card because then they can just come in and get whatever they want, especially if you really don't know what they're into. Because some people, I'll ask, oh, well, what characters do they like? Let's start out there. And they don't even know that. So, if that's the case and you're like, man, I really need to get my comic-loving friends something, but I have no clue what they like, always go with the gift card of their favorite shop which is obviously Comic Headquarters in St. Louis, Missouri. Next. On Telegraph Road, right? Uh, on Telegraph Road. <laughs> <laughs> Next, if they do give me some characters they like, um, but they don't want to commit to like one story arc or something like that, I will just gather some random single issues from different series as sort of like a sample thing. Uh, then, you know, whichever one you like best, you can then go and pick up the rest of the series if you're really into it. But I think probably the best one, and I'll, I'll combine three and four, would be either like a bundle of singles that tells a whole story or a trade paperback, because then at least you get a complete story as opposed to some random singles. So... Um, I've, I've helped out a lot of, of people looking for gifts so far this month where they'll tell me who somebody likes. I'll go and get books that either I've read or that are super popular and just let them actually see, hold, and flip through the different ones. You know, give them three or four options, and then they can pick whichever one that they think the person might like or just go with my suggestion and be on the merry way. So... That is my answer to your question. Nice, it's good, good answer. Anything to add? I mean, I think uh, anything that's like a first appearance, like key issues, anything like that, if you know, like if Jake was like, man, I just got the Detective Chimp's first appearance and what should I do with this? Should I try to sell it? Oh, Christmas is coming up. I just give it to Casey. I would love that. And he knows I love Detective Chimp. So like if you have something... <laughs> You know, like if you or if you see something that's just like, especially if it's like a character that it's like like Detective Chimp, where it's not near as popular. Like, like you getting someone Spider Man's first appearance would be cool, but I don't think it's something that our listeners could afford. Not to you know judge them, but that's a lot of money. But if it's someone like Detective Chimp or you know Starman or something like that, that's more doable. So like you know, if there's a character that they like, that's kind of like you know C character that doesn't have a lot of, you know, doesn't have a lot of appearances that people like. Try to find that. That's a that's always a good good option. 
Absolutely. All right, man. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. I know we ran a little long this week, but there was all sorts of good stuff to talk about. So uh, let's get into our closing plugs. If you would, please go to facebook.com slash podcast and give us uh, a little click on that like button. You can also find us on Twitter at two underscore worlds underscore PC. And you can find us on Instagram at two worlds pod. And if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at twoworldspodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't at this point, please like and review us five stars wherever you're listening to this. And we would love to stay in chat, but we got to, you know, be set out and wait for Santa to come and gobble us up. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.